oh, you're an athletic trainer. Can you, you know, teach me how to lift weights? Give me my exercise routine. <laughs> exactly. They don't realize how big of a medical aspect it is. And it's a medical health professional. Mm-hmm. So that is the biggest misconception, I would say. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode four of the Breakdown with Rothman Orthopedics. I'm your host, Alex Hammond. And in addition to March being Women's History Month, it is also National Athletic Training Month, which is a big deal over here. First, we're going to chat with a couple of our own athletic trainers at Rothman. Kathy Moran, she is a certified athletic trainer at Ocean City High School in New Jersey, as well as Jamie Toldero. She is also a certified athletic trainer in the Lower Marion School District. Lastly, Medical Incredible is back this episode with Dr. Brad Tucker. He's a sports medicine surgeon at Rothman, also the team physician at Ocean City High School, so he works closely with Kathy. He is going to explain how and why a young female field hockey player underwent ligament reconstruction, bony realignment, and cartilage transplant of her knee due to repeated kneecap dislocation. So stay tuned for that. All right, so first up, I'd like to welcome in Kathy Moran and Jamie Toldero, two of our amazing athletic trainers here at Rothman. So Kathy is a certified athletic trainer for Rothman Orthopedics, as well as the head athletic trainer at Ocean City High School in New Jersey. And Jamie's also a certified athletic trainer for Rothman, as well as a head athletic trainer at Harriton High School in Lower Marion Township in Pennsylvania. So thanks, ladies, for joining me today for this conversation. And essentially, we are celebrating National Athletic Training Month with the breakdown. So thanks again. But I'd love to hear, you know, a little bit about your career and how you ended up at Rothman. So go ahead, Jamie. You want to go first? Sure. So I've been at Rothman probably for about, what is it now, seven years, I believe. I've always been here at Harriton High School, but I also did work in the orthotics department for a while. My career started actually when I met my athletic trainer in high school, and I learned what he did, and I realized that I want to be just like my athletic trainer in high school. So I jumped right in. I went to Westchester University, learned all about it, and so here I am. Awesome. And Kathy? So I started with Rothman Orthopedics in 2013, so I've... I think I'm completing my eighth year here. Awesome. I, just like Jamie, I was a big sports person in high school. I loved hanging out in my athletic trainer's office, picking his brain, asking him a lot of questions. So I followed that up. I went to George Washington University and pursued a career in athletic training. And oddly enough, now that I'm at Ocean City High School, our rival high school is actually the high school that I went to, Mainland Regional. So they're right over the bridge. So I still work with my high school athletic trainer quite often. I was just going to ask, so they didn't try to recruit you back over there or <laughs> you just you just had well, to go to he's, the... He's been there for a long time. Um, so when I saw that this position opened up at Ocean City right across the bridge, I jumped on it and... Luckily, Rothman hired me. Awesome. (laughs) Love hearing that. So, yeah, I was doing some research, and I read that athletic trainers are the unsung heroes of sports medicine. And my impression when speaking with, um, you know, you all and, you know, everyone else, I often get that impression. I feel like the team physicians always kind of get the glory. So I'm curious to know what you both think of that statement. I definitely agree. As athletic trainers, the majority of what we do isn't what people typically see. 
people, parents and um, athletes, they see us out on the sports fields. They see us, you know, running out if a player gets injured, but they don't see all of the prep work that goes into games, the filling up of the water jugs, the ankle taping, the rehab before the games, the rehab after the games, the ice baths after the games, the one-on-one mental health sessions that we often hold in our office. As athletic trainers, we're not only taking care of their physical well-being, but their mental well-being, their social, emotional well-being. So I would say that the majority of what we do isn't what people see every day, isn't what people typically think the majority of our job is. Jamie, what are your thoughts? I would have to completely agree with that statement as well as everything that Kathy said. A lot of our job, like she said, is behind the scenes. I have a constant running joke with most of my parents as well as my athletic director that they always look at you when you're on the field and you're just watching a game and it's like, oh, you look bored. I was like, if I'm bored in general, that's a good thing because that means the athletes are healthy on the field, but you never see like, I'm not actually bored because sports is what we thrive on. And I'm constantly, my head's always on a swivel because if you're watching one game, you also most likely have 10 practices going on in the background. And then my after school hours, all our practices start at the same time. So that's at like 3.45. So from 2.45 to five o'clock, there's about 30 kids in my room at a time. Um, And that's something that nobody sees. And like Kathy said, we do a lot of um, the ankle tapes and the rehabs ahead of time to keep those athletes looking as well as they do on the field. And I'll reiterate what Jamie said about looking bored at the games. Uh, I think a lot of people don't see that we're constantly watching gait patterns. We're looking for turned ankles. We're uh, watching the contact to see if a kid's going to get back up off the ground. So we might look like we're just watching a game, but we're really analyzing everything that's going on and hoping that everyone stays on their feet. I think it's important to add, you both are at work right now and kind of just waiting for things like the afternoon rush, but I think it's important to know Jamie is literally outside getting ready for the afternoon shift. So, you know, when people hear kind of like the wind sounds, I think that's important to know you guys are doing this in between, you know, like I said before, everybody starts coming to the room. But I think that's true because I look back at my high school sports and thinking of, you know, the athletic trainers that we had. And, you know, we did, we saw them and we kind of just like, oh, there they are. They're just filling up like the ice buckets. And I think that's kind of, you know, the first thing people think of, but just kind of hearing, you know, what you said and kind of watching the game and watching the contact. I think that's something that I'd say a fair amount of people don't know that that's what you guys do. And uh, that's, that's important. So thank you for keeping everyone's kids safe. (laughs) But this is obviously, this has been a very unique year. And I know, uh, Kathy, we've been in contact, you know, throughout last year. And, you know, Jamie, this is the first time that we've officially spoken. But what has this year been like? I know, you know, the obvious answers, but you guys built your career on working with your athletes. So tell me what that was like, you know, shifting from, again, being in person to all of a sudden kind of having that contact shut off. And how did you guys transition? So I can start that one. So when everything kind of got shut down here, of course, everybody thought it was just going to be a two-week shutdown to begin with. Um, so nobody prepared for not coming back to the building at all. Um, Unfortunately, here at Lower Marion, we did not do too much online things with our athletes. We pretty much got shut down and were told, you know, just let it be. 
Um, so we did that. I did luck out with my athletes on, we actually came back in July. So as much as I had nothing to do with my high school from March until July, um, come July, things got very hectic, very quickly dealing a lot with not just the athletes as a whole and as their injuries, but, um, the new aspect of like athletes being afraid of COVID. So sitting down and we're, you know, discussing mask procedures and my school is lucky enough to be involved in a pilot program where we're testing all of our athletes for COVID now. So that's added just a lot of stress to the process, but a lot of relief for everybody as well, because you know that everybody here, symptomatic or asymptomatic is healthy and not contagious. So that's helped a lot. Coming into the season, we were temperature checking every single athlete and asking every single athlete about symptoms. So that added to the chaoticness of not only trying to take care of the athletes on the field, but also trying to be in two places at once because every athlete needed to be screened prior to coming into the campus. So that's where we were at. And I'll agree with everything that Jamie just (laughs) said. Starting in March with the shutdown, you know, we thought it was going to be two weeks. So we left the building thinking that we'd be back to spring sports in a few weeks. And we were lucky enough to come back in July, just like Jamie said, on the New Jersey side. From March until July, it was a lot of Zoom workouts with the athletes, a lot of emails, FaceTime or Zoom sessions to talk about injuries or things that they can do in this off season when they lost their season. And then when we came back in July, it was full force temperature checking every single athlete from every single team daily, which unfortunately sometimes impacted our athletic training abilities. You know, we had to be temperature checking and maybe we couldn't give the amount of attention to every single athlete and their uh, little bumps and bruises that we normally could. Something that's really upset me and affected me over this time from July, actually really from March until now, is the inability to be there for our athletes in the capacity that we're used to. Jamie mentioned earlier that she's used to having 30 kids in her room at one time, all getting ready for sports. Well, right now in my athletic training room, the maximum is six student athletes that are allowed to be in here. And only the athletes that are injured. While in previous years, we'd have kids just kind of hanging out. We could check in how their day was. They could ask us questions about athletic training, just like we did to our high school athletic trainers that got us interested in the profession. I used to have a lot of one-on-one, I'd call them mental health sessions with kids during the day. And now those things are forbidden. So that's been, that's been a really hard part for me because my favorite part of being an athletic trainer is being there for the athletes in any capacity that they need. And I think, I mean, just hearing from what both of you are saying, it's kind of, like you said, it, it goes beyond, it's, it's more of the off-the-field stuff. Yes, you guys are there, you know, taping them up and watching, you know, the games, but it sounds like there is that social connection with them. I mean, that's the, the same, like you said, the same way that you got into your field, you know, it's the same way that you guys potentially could be impacting someone else. So kind of, you know, those, those one-on-ones and missing your students. So, and, I, I, and I'm sure they probably, it's the same thing too. I mean, with this being said, do you feel at some point it's going to get better or maybe back to normal? Here's hoping. Um, (laughs) 
I know that this spring season, since our spring athletes lost all of last season, I know that the NJSIAA is trying to make it as normal as possible. We've seen that there's not that much actually transmission of COVID through sports participation. It's a lot of what's going on outside of sports. So now that we're back to outside, winter season's wrapping up. I'm really hoping that things can be as normal as possible this spring and then really hoping that by next fall that everything's really back to normal and and we don't have these concerns. True. What do you think, Jamie? Um, so I, I believe there's going to be a new normal. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we will truly, for next year, ever get back to where we were last year. I feel like we've adjusted a lot to what's going on, though, because in our regard, you know, I'm still seeing my 30 kids after school, but we've set up an outside athletic training room. So we're spaced out under a tent, and I'm lucky to have the space right next to my athletic training room so it's easy to get in Mm -hmm. and out when I need things. Um, And we just have all our rehab and everything like that set up outside on the benches. So that works for us right now. So we're as normal as we can be. So I was actually recently having this conversation with my school nursing staff on what our normal will be next year. And we're assuming that COVID testing will be part of our normal come fall. And to a way, that's a really good thing because we know we're still staying safe in a way that adds just as much stress to the athletic training world here because we're being pulled in multiple places at multiple times. So Normal is going to be a new normal. I don't know if we'll ever truly get back to where we were two falls ago. (laughs) Along those lines of what Jamie was saying with the new normal, there actually is a little bit of a silver lining and some good things that have come out of this pandemic. A lot of kids are realizing that their practices and the things they were doing may not have been that hygienic before (laughs) so there's a new normal of realizing that you know you need to bring your own water bottle to practice you need to wash your pads you can't share certain things Mm -hmm. so that's kind of a silver lining in this new normal is that kids are being a lot more hygienic and realizing that they need to take care of their health I agree with that (laughs) so simple the the things just like sharing water bottles we all thought about it just like here's the squeeze bottle pass it along and everyone's just using it and you're so right there's little things that we always took for granted and even blowing out candles on a birthday cake is another one that we're all kind of you know taking a little bit a step back I have a question so you guys both are talking about the various things and you sound like you're busy so what is like is it just you guys at the schools? Like, what's the team look like? Is there another athletic trainers? Or what's the athletic training team at a high school look like? So at Ocean City High School in New Jersey, myself, I'm the head athletic trainer here, but our fields are actually spread out all over the city and they're all public fields. So I do have an assistant athletic trainer who also works for Rothman that will come in and handle any of the games that I can't physically be at because I can't be in three places at once. It's not a typical campus that all the fields are right here. So if someone goes down on one field, I can just run to another. So uh, Jackie will take, you know, the game at one end of the island and I'll take a game at the other end of the island. In previous years, it was just me for practice days, but this year, with the COVID testing and with the 
temperature checks and things like that. Jackie's been getting a lot more hours at the school and covering the practices on the other side of the island so right. that there's a athletic training presence there too. And, and then additional to that, there's the school nurses that Obviously, the majority of the COVID workload has been on them, and I applaud everything that they've been doing. But they typically leave around 3 o'clock when our job starts really picking up. Yeah. How about you, Jamie? Like I said, I've been here for a lot of years. I luck out a lot now that I do have an assistant athletic trainer also working with me. Prior to COVID, she was part-time and she split her time between one of our middle schools in our district, which is difficult because they also have the exact same hours as the high school has. So I could only use her for minimal things. In a way, I want to say I lucked out with COVID because with everything going on, they have decided to bring her on full-time here at the school. So we do have two full-time athletic trainers here at Harriton because with our COVID testing and our temperature checking, they realize that I can't be in two places as once. <laughs> Prior to, to my first four years here, I was by myself here at the school. All athletic trainers have learned to do multiple things at a time. Sounds so that, like <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I do luck out now that I do have two full-time athletic trainers here at Harriton, but we make everything work. <laughs> awesome. And I'm just curious, what is a common misconception about an athletic trainer. I know I don't have this misconception, but I know people automatically hear physical therapist, personal trainer, athletic trainer, and group you all into one. What do you guys think? Absolutely. I hear a lot. Oh, you're an athletic trainer. Can you, you know, teach me how to lift weights? Give me my exercise routine. <laughs> exactly. They don't realize how big of a medical aspect it is. And it's a medical health professional. Mm -hmm. So that is the biggest misconception, I would say. I would agree with that. When people try to clump us into the personal trainer category or physical therapist, I say you actually put all those together as well as add a first responder and a mental health care worker in there. I believe that COVID actually in a way has helped our profession to a point because at least here in Pennsylvania, athletic trainers were added into the 1A healthcare category. So we were able to get our vaccine sooner. Um, right. So that kind of proved that we clearly are healthcare professionals that are not just lifting weights and taping ankles. That's, that's what I thought you guys would say. <laughs> and actually, before, you know, you were talking about the teams again, and, you know, we're speaking with Dr. Tucker later, who, Kathy, you work very close with. So what's the relationship with the team physician? Do they also attend the games or? Dr. Tucker is at every single one of our home football games. In addition to that, anytime that I have an athlete or an injury that needs to be seen, I will contact him, contact his medical assistant and get them in same day. And that's a benefit of having a Rothman orthopedic athletic trainer at the schools instead of possibly hiring an athletic trainer straight to the school is that we have that close relationship and that we work very closely together in the fact that he will just email me over their rehab for the day or what he would like them to do. And I can carry out those things. Right. So the same thing is here at Harriton. Uh, my team doctor is Dr. B.J. Smith, and he covers every home football game, as well as he sees all my athletes as soon as I can get them in. I love having the Rothman community behind me because we also just have quicker access to 
our doctors and our specialists, which is fabulous. A lot of the parents and community here really like to see specialists when it comes to an injury. So it's nice having that Rothman community and quick access to be able to get us into whatever we need to be seen. Kind of as a final wrap up and end on a positive note and not to say that, I mean, everything that you guys have said, it's insightful because again, I think the unsung hero title definitely goes to you all. But what is the absolute best part about your job? I personally love the fact that I am the first person on that field when the athlete gets hurt. And then I'm the person that gets them through their rehab, gets them past their injury. And I'm that person that gets to watch them walk back on that field and play the game that they love. In going along with that, I've had athletes who graduated high school through the whole time I've been here and come back in college and say, you know, Jamie, I decided to go into athletic training because I love what you do. That's an amazing feeling. It's amazing to know that we have a true impact on these athletes' lives and that we have those connections that they want to go and do what we do. I completely agree and back up everything that Jamie just said. That is definitely the best part of our job. To add on to that, I love the position that we're in, that we're not a coach, we're not a teacher, we're not a parent. We're this kind of safe space for them to talk about their injuries, talk about what's going on in their lives. There's a lot of things that impact injuries. The psychological aspect of injury Mm -hmm. is huge. So being able to talk to them about the, the other stresses in their lives, and kind of help them through their physical ailments and their injuries, as well as their stressors and their emotional or psychological issues that may be hindering progress. Mm -hmm. That is the best part. And, you know, getting those huge high fives, huge hugs, you know, not during COVID time, of course, but just seeing them all the way through those injuries and seeing them get back on the field even better is just so heartwarming. And that's why we do what we do. I love to hear it. And I'll just add this, ladies, you two are definitely great representatives of the athletic trainers for Rothman. You know, I always kind of like tell people little anecdotes when we end our session, but usually, you know, when we're kind of brainstorming and thinking of, okay, we're going to go this route and who should we talk to and blah, blah, blah. You two were the top of the list and, you know, I don't know your students, but I love hearing some of those stories of hearing your students and how you impact them. And I I have no doubt that you guys are doing that. You both are. So I wanted to, you know, thank you both again for joining me and again, celebrating National Athletic Training Month with the breakdown. And thanks again. Thank you, Alex. Thank Thank you. you. Have a good day. Have a good one. So we are back with another medical incredible for this episode with Dr. Brad Tucker. He's a sports medicine surgeon, um, also the team physician at Ocean City High School. So you actually work very closely with um, Kathy Moran, and you're also the assistant team physician for the Phillies and the 76ers. And Dr. Tucker, since March is National Athletic Training Month, and we actually just spoke with a couple of our athletic trainers prior to you, and obviously Kathy being one of them, can you explain, just before we kind of go into the medical incredible, what is the importance of the relationship between a physician and an athletic trainer? Yeah, so for example, Kathy and I work very close together. She's actually at the high school every day, And she also, after school, is involved in all the sports, whether it's field hockey or lacrosse, football, soccer. And 
if any student athlete is injured during practice or a game, they can go to her and she can take a history, evaluate them and come up with a treatment plan. And the two of us work together to make sure that that diagnosis and treatment plan are on par, like we're on board together. And sometimes she may feel that they need a further evaluation by me. And especially during certain seasons, like the fall season, when there's a lot of sports and football being a contact sport, we tend to see each other a week and she'll bring athletes in and sometimes we'll go over the exam together. So it's a real great relationship. So I imagine, like I said, and first of all, thanks again for joining us today, but I imagine with your experience as a team physician, not only in the high school level, but at the professional level, you've obviously have seen your fair share of unique injuries, which leads me into our medical incredible. So when you sent me over the information, specifically you treated a female patient who underwent ligament reconstruction, bone realignment, and cartilage transplant of her knee due to repeated kneecap dislocations. So that was what you did, but I obviously like to back up and talk about what happened. How did we get there? Explain a little bit about the history of this patient and how we got to those procedures. So this was a local high school athlete who played field hockey. And during a game one day, she twisted her knee and her kneecap came out of socket. Like it came out of the track. And um, when you dislocate your kneecap, the first thing is to pop it back into place. And a lot of times the athletic trainer will do that if they're there. And a lot of times we'll treat that athlete conservatively because if you look at everyone that dislocates their kneecap, there's a 50% chance that you can treat it conservatively and it won't happen again. And what we do is we, you know, we get the swelling to go down and work on strengthening because your muscles are really important for stability of the kneecap also. So unfortunately, she was in the other 50% and she kept dislocating her kneecap her senior year, but she really wanted to just finish out her senior year. And she was treated conservatively. She would have occasional dislocations. And then she was such a good player, she got accepted to go play college. So it got to the point where she was just torn. Like, she didn't want to take the time to get her kneecap fixed. So she goes to college, and it just ramped up the activity so much. She couldn't do it because she was so unstable. So when we did a deep dive into why she kept dislocating, there's three reasons why the kneecap stays stable. It's your bony alignment that you're born with your ligaments that are the ropes that keep it in place, and then the strength of your muscles. So she already worked on her strength already. And it turned out that she had a congenital malalignment of her kneecap that made her more prone to dislocating. So to address the whole picture, we had to fix her bony alignment. We had to reconstruct the ligaments that were torn during the dislocation. And lastly, and unfortunately, because she dislocated so many times, there is a cushion on the surface of the kneecap that's called cartilage. She actually damaged the cartilage to the point where she had to also replace it. So she underwent a surgery. It was a very big surgery where we realigned her bones. Mm-hmm. We did a ligament reconstruction called the medial patellar ligament, not to get too technical. And then we also did a cartilage transplant. And it's a really big surgery, but she recovered great. It, it takes about nine months to recover. During that, it was pretty much a year she had to take off. She got medical uh, red shirt, which is where near a college you can take a year off and still have your four years of eligibility. And she's back playing. 
So, I mean, that's obviously, it's amazing. And I, I have a few more questions. So you mentioned something where the bony alignment and you said that like some patients have it and some patients don't. So is it one of those things that you don't know that you do or don't have it until an injury like this happens? Um, can you explain that a yeah. little bit more? Yeah. If you look at the population, if you just look at the female athlete, there's going to be some people that have normal bony alignment and some people that have maybe slight changes in their bones. Like imagine the groove, your kneecap cracks. What if your groove is a little flatter than normal? Or just the angle of your leg puts a little bit of an increased vector that your kneecap could dislocate a little easier than someone that has normal alignment. And unfortunately, when you have to eventually fix a torn ligament, you really want to fix that bony alignment at the same time. Quick question, how common is this injury? Because um, you just mentioned, you know, something as simple as twisting her knee. And I know a lot of times, and especially with any sports field or, um, you know, ACL, and that's typically, you know, what would happen. But something to this extent, how common is that? It's not as common, you know, as probably the ACL, like tearing your MPFL. But, you know, just in general, knee ligament injuries are extremely common in young women. Young women are probably eight to 10 times likely to tear a ligament in their knee than men. And we've actually found studies that proper strengthening, because the muscles are important for dynamic stability of the knee, we've found that specific training programs to strengthen your hips, your lower core, and your leg can actually decrease the rate of ligament injury up to about 80%. So strength training is really important for uh, all athletes, especially females, to prevent uh, injuries to the knee. You know, obviously being in, involved with the high school sports, do you see a lot of female patients? Knee injuries, yeah. is that kind of what you would say? Yeah, absolutely. Very common to see the ACL injury, the MPFL. They're the two probably most common ligament injuries we see. Um, also, meniscus and cartilage damage, they're the cushions in your knee. So these are things that can affect them for the rest of their lives. So it's really important to, prevention is super important. Yeah, I, it's funny you should say that because I do remember you know, playing sports in high school and with competitive cheerleading and gymnastics that I was involved in, you know, the amount of ACL injuries that I've seen gone down with practice and you're right, it is something common. So I wasn't sure if it was you know, just because of the sport or if it was because you know, as women, as young female athletes, it's just something that you know, tended prone with. Luckily, I didn't fall in that category. But again, so you mentioned the patient, you know, luckily she she was able to play field hockey. So she's kind of on, yep. the, on the up and up. She's doing well. Yes, yes. It's awesome. a long recovery. Most of the athletes do feel that it's worth it. I mean, we've done some studies to show that when an athlete is recovering from injury or surgery, they do struggle mentally with getting, you know, sideline for a little while but as soon as they start getting back training getting feeling good that sort of sadness goes away <laughs> well that's good and this would be for the young female athlete what kind of exercises i know this is probably you didn't know you were signing up for all this but what's kind of the takeaway what kind of exercises do you think could help that patients should be so, doing just for stability with their knee so just like one of the big things is if you look at when women blow out their ACL or blow out their MPFL, a lot of video surveillance has shown that their knee sort of caves in during the injury, meaning like their knee is like shape of an L, like their knees are knock-kneed during the time of injury. And 
to prevent your knee from caving in. Like, let's just say to prevent your knee from, we call it caving in, where like your knees touching each other. It really has to do with your strength in your hips. We've shown that if you can strengthen, like say we call it the hip abductor, the abductor, it's out by your gluteus muscle. And one simple exercise is, and a lot of girls know about this, where you put a rubber band between your around your knees and you do sideways walking. They call it crab walking or yes, monster walks too, right? Yeah, there's lots of different names for it. But what's really important is it's easy to do that if you externally rotate your feet. But if you actually rotate your feet, you're not doing it properly. You're pulling in other muscles and not the abductor that you need to strengthen. So having your feet sort of neutral or slightly pigeon-toed or slightly pointing in uh, so you can hit that abductor muscle. Strengthening your glutes is super important. You know, even your hamstrings are really important for deceleration, your quadriceps, all those muscles. But I think a lot of times people, maybe they do some strengthening like squats and lunges, but they don't focus on the hip abductor. And I would say that's the take-home message there. They did a study of 30,000 little girls who played soccer, and they broke them up into two groups. And this was a Southern California study done back, I think it was back possibly in the 90s, where the 15,000 girls just went out and did the typical warm-up where they went out and just ran around the field, mm-hmm. took the soccer ball around. And then the other 15,000 just did a literally 15 15 to 20 minute warm-up where they're doing like walking lunges they were doing some hip abduction they did some russian hamstring strengthening just like lower core leg lifts just something they did right there on the grass you know the coach brought some rubber bands things like mm-hmm. that and they at the end of the season they looked at how many knee injuries there were that were operable and it was a there was an 88 percent reduction in the little girls that just did the little strengthening it took 20 minutes. Wow. Yeah. I mean, again, that's, that's important. Cause I think, like you said, people often think just let's, oh, let's run quickly around and that's it and stretch your arms here and there, but actually taking the time, you know, to actually do a full warm up, It's super important. Yeah. Um, and I think that like, you know, obviously we're talking specifically, you know, with females, but I think warming up can help in eliminating any injuries, male and female. So. Yeah. Some of the, some of the, the toughest thing too, is getting the coaches, the female coaches and the parents to buy into it. Yeah, because I I mean, it's kind of a little bit of a crusade mm-hmm. of me trying to get I have two teenage daughters myself. I've been training them both since they were little, you know, fourth grade right. to do the, these type of things. And sometimes I've been asked to show, you know, some teams how to do this stuff and talk to coaches. And, you know, a lot of times the typical response I get from coaches and parents, sometimes I see them rolling their eyes like they didn't think it was important, you know, and that's it's tough. It's really tough to, to change people's perception mm-hmm. of how important it is. And I think that's true because, like I said, I'm going back to my experience. At one point, we added in a strength and conditioning coach. And I think at that time, we just thought it was our coach torturing us. Like, why are we doing these extra setups? Why are we doing yeah. these? Like, and that was the mentality of a teenager. But looking back at it now, overall, like you said, I'm like, we didn't have too many injuries. And I, I think going into it as, as more competitive as we got, I think you know, it, it was important and, you know, knock on wood, you know, here ankle tweak here and there, nothing crazy. But, you know, like you said, it's just kind of changing the mentality of not only the parents, but getting to the students too, not thinking that it's a punishment to do strength and conditioning exercises. So I support what you're doing. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Um, well, 
Um, you know, again, this was very interesting. I know you saw me, I was kind of cringing a little bit and hearing about it, but you know, knee injuries, especially female athletes is always definitely just a area of interest for me. So I appreciate your time and sharing this story. Is there anything else? Last words that for anyone out there today? No, last words. Well, strength training is hugely important. Uh, obviously cardio for an athlete is important, but don't forget strength training. A lot of the research shows you don't need to do long chronic cardio to improve your cardiovascular endurance. In fact, shorter interval training has been shown to increase your heart and lungs ability to carry oxygen throughout your body. We call it the VO2 max. You can improve your VO2 max much better than doing long chronic cardio. You don't need to go out for an hour run. Do a 20 to 30 minute hit cardio and do some weight training. That's the take home message. Perfect. Well, Dr. Brad Hucker, sports medicine surgeon at Rothman Orthopedics, thank you again for joining me. Great. Thanks for having me. We'd like to thank Dr. Tucker, Kathy, and Jamie for joining me on this episode. Please visit our landing page, rothmanortho.com backslash breakdown for all available episodes. We're on Spotify, Apple, Google, the Rothman Orthopedics YouTube channel, and a few other listening platforms. So wherever you listen, please make sure you download and subscribe. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, take care.